This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Time once again for the T-Watts and TR podcast here on the Built by Bama online network, I guess you could call it at this point. A happy new year to you, our first podcast uh, between Tim and myself for 2020. A lot has happened here in the last few days since we last spoke. A lot is happening on this Thursday as we get going here on T-Watts and TR. A happy new year to you, Tim. And uh, man, let's get right into it. We've got coaching news. We've got Nick Saban's anniversary today at the University of Alabama uh, Joe Moorhead as a part of that coaching carousel now over at Mississippi State. Not a not a situation, I guess, Tim, that really impacts Alabama all that much. Although, could it with the late signing period coming up, Tim? Is there is there some guys that perhaps Alabama's involved with here late that Mississippi State is also taking a shot at? Does this really make waves for Alabama at all? I don't think so. I mean, Alabama's class, is, you know, we said this a few times, it was pretty cut and dried. Uh, obviously, there'll be a new guy coming in. McKinley Jackson's a top Alabama target in the uh, uh, in the late signing period. He's one of the best in the country. He's in the state of Mississippi. So whoever gets that Mississippi State job will certainly, you know, you want to go in there and try to make a statement and recruit him. So it affects it from that, much, that, that little bit. But It'd be interesting because I'm seeing Billy Napier's name thrown around. Mm-hmm. So if you have Billy Napier get this job, hypothetically, you got Lane Kiffin, you got Billy Napier, you got Jeremy Pruitt, you got Kirby Smart, former Nick Saban assistants in the SEC as head coaches. So um, I think that would certainly make it that would make it interesting. Yeah, it's almost as if they're closing in on Nick Saban as much as they possibly can. His disciples. I think they're ganging up on him. <laughs> Sorry, coming look, in on his turf. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. How, how much though? We we've been around this for for many years, and and not just from a recruiting standpoint, but perceptions reality, Tim. And when you look at Moorhead, whether it's true or not, whether it's fair or not, this is a guy when they would cut to the sideline, typically in situations where things weren't going well for Mississippi State under his guidance, just not. Uh, a a portrait of juice, I guess you could say. And then when you consider Lane coming into Oxford and the 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 way he's expected and already has to some extent moved the needle needle since taking. I mean, how much does all this play into it in a situation just just in a state like Mississippi, in your opinion, with Moorhead and and Kiffin there? You know, I think you look. You know, I think it was a. You know, it's just hard for him to begin with. Jeremy Pruitt, I feel like finished second for that job, and I. I thought Pruitt would have been a much better choice myself, having known Pruitt, knowing Mississippi State's a defensive-minded school. And don't forget, last year, they're not this season, the last season, their defense was on a level that I, I didn't think anybody else that Alabama played that year, including Clemson, including Georgia, including LSU, had a better defense than Mississippi State that year. They had three guys taken in the first round of the draft. They had guys peppered all over. Um, 
you know, the NFL draft and all American teams, they were a fantastic defense, hard hitting. Of course, you know, Alabama beat them, but they were hard hitting. You know, they came after Tua, uh, you know, that entire game, just a very tough physical team. And they still lost four games. So when you, you know, you have that kind of talent, you have that kind of defense and you lose four games. Uh, I think it was four. I think they were eight and four. I don't know their exact record, but they lost more than they probably should have. I think that's a bad sign. You've seen Pruitt have some success at Tennessee. That's got the fans riled up. You're seeing other programs make moves. Like Lane Kiffin is a sexy hire for Ole Miss. He's a big name. People know Lane Kiffin, even, you know, for whatever reason they know him. And I think that puts some pressure on him, too. So obviously a disappointing season. And maybe not a great personality fit. I mean, obviously the guy had a had a pretty good uh, um, resume to get a job like that. So I mean, he had to do some things right, but maybe just not an ideal fit. But I'm a little surprised it came this quick. But we're seeing these teams. There's no more. Give them the third year. You're getting that first year guarantee, and maybe a, you know probably a second. But I mean, there's no real guarantees anymore, are there? No, this second year now. You don't have to win a national championship or even really compete for a division title at a place like Mississippi State in year two, but there's got to be very obvious progress being made. And I'm kind of proud of Mississippi State in this scenario, Tim, because at a at a program like that, you could kind of put the ceiling at winning the Egg Bowl every year. As long as we beat Ole Miss – and we go to a bowl game at six and six. That is an automatic renewal for whoever the sitting head coach is in Starkville. And I think Dan Mullen gets a lot of credit for this too. He certainly raised that standard over an extended period of time at Mississippi State. And I think it's something that we've just seen Joe Moorhead sort of fall victim to. Before Dan Mullen, I mean, you saw it with Sylvester Croom. If you beat the right team or teams every couple of years, you can stay around at Mississippi State as long as you want. That's not the case anymore, even at State. So it tells you, as you just said, it uh, the expectations everywhere. And it goes back to, to the hiring process itself. A couple of years ago, Tim, Mississippi State Athletic Director John Cohen, it seemed, my memory tells me anyway, that State was really looking at Moorhead or Jeremy Pruitt. And what you heard from that final selection of Moorhead was that Cohen wanted to go with offense, and that's understandable. Moorhead, as you said, had a pretty good resume, certainly at Penn State with Trace McSorley, Saquon Barkley, although I think maybe me and you could have had a pretty good resume with those guys. But, you know, and also interview polish. And you know Jeremy as well as as just about anybody I know does. And so – how much, if you're John Cohen in that situation, I mean, what what are the, the critical factors that you're really leaning on? Are you really leaning on interview polish at that point? Or are you looking at, look, this guy has uh, high-level executive title experience at multiple Power 5 programs, Georgia, FSU, Alabama, and then maybe as much as anything recruiting where – Jeremy is, as we know, has been lights out. What what would be those factors that you would consider maybe more than others? You know, for me, I guess, you know, of course, this isn't surprising to anybody, but I'm all about the recruiting aspect yeah. first. Um, can this guy can recruit? Can he get players? You know, that's the very first thing I want to know. I think it's by far the most important, to be honest with you. Second, I want to know about development. 
You know, that's what I that's what I want to know. And then you get into the rest of the semantics because it doesn't matter. You have great coaches that don't win with uh, with bad players, but they're still good coaches. And then you have a guy like the Baylor guy who, you know, muscled out 10 or 11 wins this year with not a lot of talent either. But at the same time, Baylor was not a good football team. Baylor oh. was not a good football team. I mean, if you he watch that Sugar Bowl, uh, that Georgia was two and three stars. One hand, one hand tied behind their back, literally. And missing 13 it, players. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, some people say 16. So they're missing guys, weren't super motivated. We've seen that before with Georgia losing to Texas and Alabama and losing to Utah in that same situation. And despite all of that, they go in there and, uh, you know, the game was never in doubt. So not a great team, but he – Obviously a good coach. When you look up, you know, I'm taking a glance at the team rankings. Uh, Mississippi State's 26th. It's not terrible. You know, it's not it's not, not that bad. But there's nine SEC teams ahead of them. Yeah. So you're already 10th out of 14 teams in the SEC. And we're talking the guys behind you are Missouri and Vanderbilt and Arkansas. Coaching changes are, you know, really bad season of possible coaching changes. So, I mean, I think that factors into it, you know, as, as well. When you get – when you you saw Georgia, Georgia went out and got Kirby Smart, a guy they felt had trained and worked and been been under, uh, you know, in a situation to succeed. Pruitt was in that exact same situation. But like you said, he wasn't just under Saban. He was also under Jimbo Fisher, Mark Rick. He had other guys where he had been successful. So I thought if you were going to go that assistant route at the time, Pruitt was a – Really good choice because he can recruit. Especially for Mississippi State, Tim. Absolutely. I mean, Mississippi State had a chance to get their Kirby smart and took a pass. Took a pass because maybe he didn't say asparagus or didn't know what asparagus was in the interview. I mean, you know, and now John Cohen, two years later, no, that's I what agree. he's doing. I agree. And, uh, and the thing about it is, you know Pruitt can recruit. You know he can coach. We know that. We've seen it at Hoover High School, which is a high level. You know, that's a college program in a lot of ways. We've seen it at Alabama. We've seen it at Florida State. We've seen it at Georgia. So, I mean, obviously, I think they made uh, the wrong call. And I think that Tennessee showed some gumption and and made the right call. I mean, they went out. Tennessee took a risk. You're talking about a – and it still took everything falling apart with Greg Schiano and that debacle that they had during that process. They lucked into Jeremy Pruitt. That, that's, a good, that, that's a good point. I really think, honestly, usually what happens in that situation is like, and Kirby Smart did interviews, interviewed for Auburn and some other places before he got his head job. Well, Pruitt was just doing his first interviews and ended up with a job that big, which is a little bit surprising. So you're right. He did sort of fall back into it. And again, you know, Pruitt's that kind of guy. That's a chip on his shoulder. Uh, I think that he remembers every day and pushes. You know, so. I know, I know, ads don't like to think about it in this term, uh, in in these terms, Tim. But if I were an ad, I would think of it in worst case scenario. If it doesn't work out with this guy, what are we going to be left with? And if you hired Jeremy Pruitt two years ago, the worst case scenario is that your roster was going to be at least as good, at least as talented, at least as developed as the one he inherited from Dan Mullen, if not not better with Jeremy Pruitt doing his thing there. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, Dan Mullen did set the bar high. I mean, that was a good – Mississippi State was a good program under him. Um, more competitive. Alabama fans probably don't see it as much because they had a lot of success against Mississippi State. But Dan Mullen was a handful with a lot of other programs. I mean, they were number one in the country that year, and 
Um, you get Mississippi State number one in the country, buddy. You've done something. And that was that was a good football team. And then that defense that he left, Moorhead, his first year, that I'm telling you, that's a hell of a defense. Those yeah. guys were daggone animals. There's some monsters out there. So yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised this happened real quick. And then they're saying it was about a fight in the locker room. I don't know. I mean, there's been fights in locker rooms. Oh, there room. was. Well, there's been yeah. fights in locker rooms since there were locker rooms though. Sure. You know, sure. you know, it's it's not it's it's all of a sudden it's it it matters more. If a kid acts like he's peeing, if you're not winning and recruiting well, I've noticed. Oh, yes. The, when it's the, funny hey, how that works. Yeah. The University of Miami, they used to do all, all that stuff back in the day. Ain't nobody ever got fired about it. So, uh, yeah, I think there's reasons, and I think there, you know, there's probably a lot more to it. I mean, Mississippi State, it's an awkward time to be looking for a coach, I believe. It is, but you get the sense that maybe they've already got their guy, right? You it's said Billy Napier. I mean, that makes too much sense. It makes almost too much sense, but it, it, it would make perfect sense also for Billy Napier to make his way from Louisiana over to Starkville, and wouldn't it? He's done a, he did a fantastic job this year. I watched him because, you know, he's a former Alabama assistant. I watched that team. He did a good job. Louisiana life, they were recruiting well. They played well. They played hard. He's did a really good job. Now, again, this guy going from assistant to a head coach in the SEC this quick, I think that speaks a little bit to Saban, too. You know, you've seen these assistants moving up these ladders really quick, um, maybe getting a little bit more benefit of the doubt. But they certainly earned it. I mean, if Napier gets that Mississippi State job, he certainly earned it. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And speaking of this day in coaching history, Tim, it uh, doesn't get much bigger than what happened here in Tuscaloosa on this day 13 years ago, Tim, Nicholas Lou Saban Jr. takes over as the head football coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Five national championships later in Tuscaloosa. Here we sit. It was truly, Tim, one of those where were you days. I, I, yeah, I can vividly recall where I was. Uh, and unfortunately, I wasn't in Tuscaloosa. But what about you? Can you can you still, you know, with great detail, remember sort of how that day played out for you? Dude, that was the longest process. I mean, that was the longest time. I know I was glued to a computer, and I remember I was glued to the TV when all the news broke. And there were so many rumors in that. You know, there were so many twists and turns. And you know, you know, Shannon Terry, lucky. You know, we reported two weeks before. Shula was let go that he was going to be let go, and then it took two weeks to actually happen. So that, that was a long. That was a I long. I think it took two weeks for Mal Moore to find Mike Shula to fire him. Is I what the holdup was. was. Couldn't find him. Yeah. I think it, it was that was a crazy night in itself because I'd waited I'd waited for months to go to this new wing place, and I told my wife so this is a good because it took forever, but they were great deep fryer, really good stuff, <laughs> and this is back before everybody was the wing king. So I'm sitting there waiting. And this is old school phone. And I start blowing up with those random texts that look like I was in that movie with Matthew Broderick, War Games. And I'm just blown up. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I finally go and make a call. And Shannon had reported, said he thinks she was getting fired. And Lord have mercy. I remember so that. Yeah. I remember. Then we went through that. Then we went through the whole Rich Rodriguez scenario, you know, where, where he was offered. And we went through the wife on the radio somewhere. And um, Freedom. You know, Yes, all of a sudden she's on the radio and talking trash, I guess. And hey, great that, hair, Rita. 
Yeah. I remember when Saban was hired, and I had people telling me they're getting Saban, they're getting Saban, they're getting Saban. I didn't doubt. I never doubted they were trying to get Nick Saban. I would never, even when he said he wouldn't be the next coach at Alabama, when all that mess went on, I never doubted they were trying to get Nick Saban. I thought, I actually thought I had people telling me that he wanted to be back in college, so I believed it. But I just didn't know he was going to be able to wait, walk away from that Miami situation because back then that stuff was unheard of. Leaving a job after two years, we never heard about it. You remember the Miami media went crazy on Nick Saban, like doing under the table, off the record interviews, and then you know putting them out for people to see. Just all kind of, all kind of silly stuff. Um, so I was surprised. I remember sitting here when it was actually announced and he was coming back, and that was that great BOL roundtable flight following too. <laughs> you know the Arkansas fans got into it this oh, year. Yeah. You remember we were following. Oh, we were. There was yeah. probably. Flight tracker out the yin yang. There's probably random people just taking flights and wondering why is everybody calling me and showing up at the air. Why is there 60 people here holding up a hat with hounds two hats on? You know. Oh yeah. So it was uh, crazy, absolutely crazy. And when you when you look at it in terms of the hiring, and you got to give all the credit to the to the late uh, Mal Moore, uh, former Alabama player, former Alabama assistant administrator, as we know. waited out his guy and ultimately in the end got him. And then from a recruiting perspective, which is synonymous obviously with what Nick Saban's accomplished at Alabama, you know, he comes in and in that first class that he kind of inherited, he just didn't stand pat with those guys. Did he? I mean, he added some critical pieces to that 2007 class, which ended up ranked 12th nationally, which was higher than any class Mike Shula had had before Nick Saban. So just in a span of a month in terms of what he was able to keep together in that 2007 class, uh, Tim, but then guys like Luther Davis, uh, Jackson, did Kareem Jackson, he got late. You're right. He flipped Josh Chapman from Auburn. Yeah. Rolando McClain was a part of that class. Yes. He flipped, uh, Marquise Mays from Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. From Michigan Um, to Alabama. And there was one Luther more. Luther was Chavis committed to LSU. And Chavis Williams, right? He was committed somewhere, I believe. I, I believe that's, that's the I case. Tell, I seems like he flipped three in-state guys, went after Luther. He had Joe McKnight ready to visit Alabama. I'll never forget. On a hunch, I called. I was the only one that I'm aware of that ever spoke to Joe McKnight, and who was pretty quiet by nature. He was just a freak, you know, unbelievable athlete at the time everybody wanted him and he picked up and I was even a little surprised and I talked to him for about 10 or 11 minutes and he said yeah I've heard from coach yeah I want to visit Alabama and all that and then after that the, his head you know his high school coach is like no nah, he ain't <laughs> he ain't visiting Alabama there's there's so much pressure on him not to visit even to visit now, now the kid the kid wanted to leave anyways. I mean, some people consider him the number one player in the country. He ended up at USC, but that's the impact that he just can show up and get in with a guy like that. It was really incredible. It wasn't what we were used to. I knew that. No. And then, of course, we know what happened in 2008 with what was what will always be remembered as an all-time class in that 2008 group led by Julio Jones and so many others that played such a critical role and what became the dynasty at Alabama under Nick Saban. Put it in perspective for you, Nick Saban, uh, excuse me, Mike Shula's first class at Alabama in 2003, ranked number 41 
nationally. And you have to understand you had the NCAA probation effects back then. Alabama only took 16 players in Mike Shula's first class. And one of those was Wallace Gilberry, who was late, as we recall, um, to summer, that class. Probably. I think yeah. that was summer, wasn't it? Yeah, 16 guys in that class, Tim, 13 of which were two or three stars and 12 in-state guys of the 16. I think, uh, I think Shula is a little bit underappreciated as a recruiter. I think their evaluations were pretty good considering. Yeah. They, and, I mean, you're talking about somebody towing the line because of the trouble Alabama was in. Mike Shula towed the line. He more he overtowed. I mean, he was not getting off that line when they recruited people. Um uh, but at the same time, you know, you can laugh and see like the Tim Tebow recruitment still the most insane thing I think I've covered <laughs> to some degree. And I mean, I'll never forget, you know, Alabama, the coach, they were recruiting them and they thought they were in there. And, you know, and I'm not going to mention the coach's name, but he goes for the in-home visit, the legendary 12 hour in-home visit. And he pulls up and there's that there's that wind thing in the yard where the gators chomping when the wind blows and it spins around. And he got a bad feeling there. And then they walk in and they got a Gator Christmas tree. They got a pin board, Gator Hall of Fame. They've got, I mean, it's nothing. The whole house is Gator. Timmy's probably wearing, you know, uh, the biggest Gator onesie in history. Gator, on Gator Roos. Yeah, yeah, Gator Roos. Yes, the whole family wearing Steve Spurrier throwback jerseys. And, <laughs> and yet they stayed 12 hours. And, I mean, you know, at that point, I mean, I think most of us knew he'd end up at Florida. Shula fought the good fight. And because that's the kind of guy he is. But, you know, it's sort of easy to mock him for that. But what did he do immediately after? What did we catch right after Tebow committed? He went after Greg McElroy. And went back him. in on Greg McElroy. Yeah, and, I, I will say that for sure. And he when, kept and, McElroy warm throughout and, that. And we just sort of missed it because yeah. we were all Tebow, Tebow, Tebow. We had the Tebow countdown. Well, I, I called I called McElroy. It, it was right the, after. The night. The night of Tebow's commitment, I said, I, I said, Greg, have, have you heard? Yeah. <laughs> I said, have you heard? Have you heard from Alabama lately? He goes, Oh, I talked to, I talked to Dave Rader, uh, you know, weekly. I so I was like, Hey, listen to this, and I was like, Oh hell, you know, this is that, that, <laughs> yeah. And then so, all, yeah, you're right. And then that situation yeah. was so crazy because Greg's dad, when he flipped from Texas Tech, Mike Leach apparently cussed them all out. <laughs> he, oh yeah, you knew that was coming. I, I think. Well, I think he probably said, "Are you firm? Are you I mean, firm?" They're, they're lucky. They're lucky. Mike didn't put Greg in a shed in the dark. Remember? Well, yeah. You know, like, well, like, Texas, uh, yes, it was so insane because back then the Texas Tech people were talking trash, and I didn't know we had Texas Tech board at the time. I was like, "Wait, what?" So, you know, <laughs> so Greg's dad's mad talking about suing him, and I'm trying to calm everything down. Like, hey, you know, we hadn't really ran into that situation, but you know, and also they did stuff. I mean, there's Rolando McLean who they committed, and they had guys they committed that were a really big part of that 2009 national championship team. Um, and, and did it, but yeah, yeah, oh yeah, but they, they just did not, Blackos. they did not, they didn't really get in and get in the fights that often. But their evals weren't terrible. They just had a habit of taking like three or four of the same kids. Like you'd have a class with Corey Reamer and Travis Sykes and Sam Bernthal. And they were all basically right. the exact same player, and you had five of them. Yeah. You know, so and not that some. And, and, and we're getting absolutely crushed in South Alabama, in Mobile specifically. Them. Yep, it did. It did. It killed them, and I think that was a big part. Um, well, even in all, I mean, they, they were losing guys like Jamarcus Russell, and you know, even to Auburn, they were losing. Uh, 
can't remember the tight end. Was his name Michael Goggins? Does that sound familiar? I remember that. Yeah. Was, I think that was a kid Alabama lost. There was one kid Alabama lost. Had been a big Alabama lean for most of the process, and um, yeah, it was different. I mean, it was for us. For Thank me, goodness for the Brits. They're taking yeah. about four Brits every year, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. But for me and you, we went from <laughs> like, yeah, trying to cover a top 40 recruiting team to this guy's coming in battling for number one out of the gate, going off. And when he arrived here, there was some animosity. You know, there was guys like, you know, there was a recruit in Mobile who's, who who's committed to LSU, and his dad walked up to Nick Saban and said, um, just letting you know, you're not don't even bother talking to my son he's not coming here coming to alabama nick saban said now who are you <laughs> uh by the way the kid signed with another school and ended up back at alabama anyways just for the record so there was some animosity when he showed up here obviously louisiana you know circled the fence there was a lot of you know there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of nfl talk so really just an unbelievable unbelievable time for us no doubt about it. And with all this stellar recruiting, now you have the hashtag Alabama problems of the early entrance potentially to the NFL draft on an annual basis. Some interesting news here in the last few days. In fact, uh, we talked about uh, the situation with Dylan Moses, I believe, on the last edition of T Watts and TR here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Dylan, of course, came out on social media prior to the uh, the Citrus Bowl, which we, we know Alabama won by a score of 35 to 16 over the Michigan Wolverines, and proclaimed his intention to return to Alabama for the 2020 season. That has since been countered by a memo, a release, I guess, from his father, who is an attorney, and kind of not only tapping the brakes, but sort of pulling the emergency brake on, on that talk, although... Tim, do you get the sense still that based on just what we heard from Dylan initially, coming back to Alabama is what Dylan Moses wants to do and perhaps intends to do ultimately? Yeah, I think that's the plan. I don't know. When it gets to lawyers and stuff, I mean, it can get so sideways. It's hard to keep up. I mean, when you got a dad involved, he's going to do what's best. I mean, he's going to do what he thinks is best. I don't have a problem with that. Um, The kid announcing – that he wanted to come back. I mean, he wants to come back. He's told the Alabama staff. He's told the players. Um, I've got sources telling me not only has he told people, he is a pissed off, motivated guy. He's very motivated to come back um, and play next year and to be seen and to help Alabama win. I think that's a huge part of it. A lot of these guys talking about coming back and a lot of the underclassmen coming back, I keep talking to people around them, and they keep using the term disrespect. And I hate the term disrespect this year. Dabo has learned the word disrespect for me. And he's constantly disrespect. But this Alabama team, I feel, was disrespected. 13th in the country, having to play Michigan. Is a, I'm glad it worked out that way. That was a really good uh, matchup and fun to watch. So that was ESPN. Yeah, yeah ESPN absolutely. liked it. That, that shows you all the trash they talk. All the crap you hear, everybody was, you know, so many people were watching that game. Um, you know, it was right to me, it was right behind the playoffs, the college playoffs. It was certainly more entertaining game than the Oklahoma LSU game, um, no doubt. which was much of a contest. So I feel, I do feel, I mean, you looked up, you had Alabama receivers not being in the finalists for the, you know, the Bolitnikoff, and, you know, you had the constant talk. I mean, Alabama went 11 and 2. They got the number two team, uh, number two recruiting class in the country. 
So that's, you know, that, that for them to be ranked 13th, for them, there was a lot of disrespect. Um, um, I felt there was a lot of Bama bias, and I got it. They were sick of Alabama. They needed a year. You know, even my friends who aren't Alabama friends are always kidding me, like, we need a Bama break. I'm like, I understand. I understand. I get it. Mm-hmm. And then during the bowl games, what was the talk? Well, Tua come back. <laughs> yeah. Dylan Moses has come back. Alex Leatherwood. So I was getting a ton of texts last night from buddies of mine going, can we have a moment? I was no. like, no, maybe. The Bama, maybe. The Bama brand just uh, supersedes just about everything still in college football. I mean, you had SEC teams, okay, playing in New Year's Six games uh, this week. You had Florida in the Orange Bowl. You had Georgia in the Sugar Bowl on New Year's night. But where was SEC Nation on New Year's Day? Where was the pregame show at on New Year's Day? It was in Orlando at the Citrus Bowl with Alabama and Michigan. It was at the Citrus Bowl instead of New Year's Six games involving uh, Southeastern Conference teams. That kind of tells you all you need to know as well. Alex Leatherwood announces, and we kind of touched on this in the past, these uh, drops of I'm coming back for another year, they're almost, you know this, being in the recruiting business as long as you have and as as in, involved as you've been in it. Uh, Tim, you starting to sense a, a method to the timing of some of these announcements in terms of these guys that are coming back, like Alex Leatherwood? Yeah, I think these guys, I mean, you know, you know, people forget, and, and I have to say this a lot, even with recruiting, is that these guys are just kids. When it comes to being an adult, Alex Weatherwood's a kid to me. He's a kid to you. Now, in his world, I mean, he's just a big, massive kid, but he's 20, 21 years old. Two is 20, 21. They want to have fun. You know, people look at these guys, you know, like 16-year-old, you know, a, a kid that's six foot four, 280 at 16 is still a, a 16-year-old that forgets to pick his underwear up off the floor half the time. So, these guys want to have fun. They've obviously been communicating. There's been a little gamesmanship on Twitter, on Instagram. You can see that. Alabama, you know, the Alabama <laughs> Twitter's getting in it, showing dominoes falling. So there's obviously some kind of plan um, at play here. At this it's a brand, stage, man. Yeah. It, and I'll tell you this at this stage, I wasn't sure Dylan Moses would come back. And as I told you on the last pod, I had three people close to, on NFL staffs. Tell me Dylan was the most likely to go, they felt, um, over all of them, which, 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 was, which was a mouthful at the time. And this was in the middle of the year, or, you know, later in the year. And then um, so you get if you get Dylan back, you get Alex back. It really that's two bonuses. And, like you know, I said this, you can't recruiting is awesome. You know, I love it. It's, it's I love recruiting as much as I love the season. I love to cover it. I love to watch the film. I love the all star games and stuff like that. But this is a different level of recruiting because while you might sign a five-star who's got potential on paper, Alex Leatherwood is a five-star on a football field. He's a five-star to an NFL executive. Dylan Moses is a five-star in the same sense, you know. So they've already proven that not only can they do it at the prep level and they have the potential to be a first-round pick, second-round pick, a college All-American these guys have already shown they've, they've done it. So it's so huge to get those guys back. Now, it's interesting because it's going to affect the 85 number. I'm still trying to figure out the math. Yeah, and after that's true. I have to have an answer. So it's going to be interesting because I have a buddy that loves recruiting so much, uh, Alabama friend. I've known him forever, and, and I love him. He's an awesome guy and doesn't get on the Internet that much, but he follows recruiting and all that stuff. But he, 
he said, man, if we get all these guys back, we won't even be able to sign anybody else. And he was disappointed. <laughs> and I was like, are you insane? You're signing seven. I'm worried about 2024. Yeah, he's like, we're not, he said, we're not going to have room to sign anybody else. I said, are you insane? Time so for you, Leatherwood and Moses to mosey on now. So you we got to have room for these new guys. You want two of the go pros so they can get a tight end. Is this? Yeah, is what, do, do we have enough servers, by the way, for Monday? Do you think? Have you talked to Shannon Terry about that? Do we are we server capable for what's going to go down with Shannon's Tua on there, Monday? Shannon's in there on that bike on the wheel right now, <laughs> getting us getting us bandwidth. Yeah. What's that? What's that new bike that everybody's so crazy Dude, about? I, did not Pol- know they, I can't even uh, pronounce it, much less do it. Petrol you know? something. It's a with a P. I don't even yeah. know. <laughs> I didn't know that commercial. They lost their mind because he got his wife a bike. I didn't even know that was a bad uh, thing. Yeah, that that. Here's that the went crazy. Part. They went off about the commercial, and I was two days late on it. So I'm finally catching up because I only saw the uh, the uh, the mock versions, whatever it is, where they're doing fake commercials, mocking the real commercial. And those were hilarious, by the way. But the dude who was in the commercial actually got his wife a bike for Christmas, the same bike. Right. In real yeah. life. It's like, here you go. It was like, that, it was like he bought her a mop or something, you know, you'd have thought. It's a bike, yeah. Based here's on the, Here's an apron and here's a here's a frying pan. Merry Christmas, baby. You know, you know, smoke up, Johnny. It's like that season. Yeah. Of, uh, you got me a Bender. truck of cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. Smoke John up, Bender. Johnny. So this is what you get when you spill paint in the garage at my house. <laughs> do I stutter? What a movie. What? Uh, yeah, we could uh, probably do. We could just do the whole script probably the right principal, here. The, the principal alone. Yes. Oh. The principle yeah. of own. Yeah. Any questions? Mess, Any questions? Mess with the bull. Yes. Mess with the bull, you get the horn. Any get questions? Horn. Yes. Does Barry Manilow <laughs> know you raid his wardrobe? <laughs> Judd Nelson, who was 37 at the time, playing a high school junior, I'm sure. I'll answer that and other questions for you the next two Saturdays. That's <laughs> all. Awesome. You want another one? You want another one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're getting so off track here, but that's, that's okay. What we do, though. That's, that's kind of what, what we, do. we do here on T Watts and TR. Yeah, we get into our favorite John Hughes movies from the uh, 1980s, no doubt about it. Hey, Tim, uh, as we look ahead, maybe a little bit of a viewing guide for Alabama fans. On Saturday, I think I said it was Thursday earlier. I don't know what the heck day it is, but it's actually a Friday, which means uh, tomorrow is indeed um, Saturday. We've confirmed that with sources. And with that, you're going to have the All-American game out in San Antonio. And boy, if you're an Alabama fan, you're going to want to check this out. Will Anderson, Javon Baker, Brian Branch, Jamil Burroughs, Malachi Moore, Q Robinson for that East team. Um, gosh, pretty much almost all those guys on the defensive side. And then, of course, Bryce Young, one of the quarterbacks for the West. Uh, Bryce Young excluded because we're all excited about watching this guy do his thing from behind center. Is there a guy or two that maybe we haven't talked about enough that you think after tomorrow we might be talking about or fans might be talking about, BOL subscribers might be talking about a good bit more? I mean, Will Anderson has absolutely mauled some of the best offensive linemen in the country this week. And, um, you know, this this is a guy we've loved. I've talked about him all year. He was right up there. Will was a guy. Um, Timmy Smith, everybody knows I got a little man crush on Timmy Smith, that Florida defensive tackle, the dancing bear. There's guys that we Bama staff had recruited. 
that nobody – I mean, William Anderson wasn't even really recruited that highly. You look at his database profile, there wasn't a lot of teams. And it was weird because even when he committed to Bama, you didn't have 40 teams following Will Anderson trying to to actually flip him. It was, it was a little bit weird. Now, I think Georgia tried to get involved late. I'm sure there was other schools he was firm. But this guy – I'm telling you, this guy, the video, as they say, you know, the film don't lie. He is mauling people. I've seen him, you know, they, you know, the, the old blind side take him to the bus. Well, this is the defensive back taking the offensive lineman to the bus. And these are some of the best in the nation. You know, he's putting them on the, on the back, extremely fast, extremely quick. He's violent with his hands, very physical. Um, I hesitate. I, I, I'm terrible at comparisons. I'm always too conservative. Uh, I just, you know, I feel like <clears throat> you can't compare somebody to Michael Jordan, but this yeah. guy's similar at a very smaller level, of course, at high school. He's sort of similar to a Von Miller. He's similar to a Khalil Mack when you think about him on the yeah. edge, on the outside, using his hands, not so much in space. He his said guy, it, his hands, his he, hands, man, he, are he, advanced for a young he, guy. I mean, he puts those paws, he puts those mitts on you, you're about to move. And not only yeah. that, he gets those arms extended and gets you're, off you're, blocks. Yes, yeah. you're on your own skates. You're going backwards. This guy's driving you, shedding you, throwing you left, throwing you right. He's got pretty long arms. So very aggressive. Came there with a huge chip on his shoulder. Um, I don't know if the chip on his shoulder. I mean, he's a pretty happy guy. I haven't heard any, him mad about anything, but he came there with something to prove, and he certainly has 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 proved his point. Uh, some teams looking to prove their points this uh, weekend in the NFL wild card round. I know you have a very special interest in that Minnesota New Orleans game. Speaking of uh, it being sort of Nick Saban day here on the podcast, every Alabama fan should be a New Orleans Saint fan uh, because of Drew Brees and the fact that he didn't end up in Miami. So um, what are you, what are you looking for? What, which of these games uh, really attract your interest the most other than your saints hosting the Vikings? I think it's an intriguing game in Houston tomorrow with Buffalo. That's, uh, that's going exactly there. what I was about to say that Buffalo team, man, they're a little nasty. The uh, nobody, you know, the thing I love, I, you know, again, I love the NFL draft. I love how everybody was just poo-pooing on Josh Allen. And then yeah. the king turns out to be all right. And everybody hasn't said I'm wrong. They haven't said, you know, it's like Lamar Jackson. Now everybody knew he wasn't a wide receiver. I mean, come on, guys. You know, you can admit when you're wrong. Josh Allen is is a big monster back there at quarterback. Rallies those guys. The defense is nasty. They're strong. Houston's good, obviously, Deshaun Watson is used to winning, but I mean, I don't see a lot of sexiness in Houston's offense. I don't see a strong running back. They're wide receivers. Like, you know, the, you know, they, they aren't as good as I expected them to be. Other and, than Hopkins. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hopkins, he's a freak. But when I watch them this year, they just don't look, their wins just look like a labor of love at times. So I'm curious to see about that. I think that Bill's team's pretty good. JJ Watt going to play tomorrow. It sounds like for yeah, uh, Houston, that, that's, that's big. That's, you know, that's big. You see that stuff, you know, and this goes back to Dylan Moses. When guys like that play, it's it's also a confident builder for the 10 around them. Yep. You know what I mean? It's a confidence builder for the 10 around them. You see J.J. coming out there. I'm really curious to see this New England game because, I mean, this could be Brady's last game in theory. And Derrick Henry is a load. That defense has carried uh, the Patriots all year you know it's been disappointing I'm, I'm not a Patriots fan by any means um 
But, I mean, I don't understand how this guy's got this skill set around him. You look at Drew Brees in New Orleans, what's he got around him? They went and got Jared Cook, who nobody even talks about, who's yeah, an incredible tight end. Tight end. They've got Michael Thomas. Thomas. They've got yeah. Camaro. They've got a bunch of role players like tight ends, Josh Hill, fullbacks that do their job. They've got a skills, a, a, a group around Drew Brees to be successful. What has Tom Brady got? A bunch of just guys. And and Julian Edelman? I mean, is that it? That guy's a warrior, yes, but he's even getting up there in the year. I don't understand. I mean, he's how- one with guys like Chris Hogan and and uh, just a, you know, no Gronkowski obviously this year. Right. You know, they're running back by committee again. Right. Does Damian Harris even play for them? He's played a little bit, but he's been behind. You know, those primary. They've got three other backs, including Sony well, Michelle. Why are you drafting Damian Harris to be Damian Harris to be your yeah. third? Running back, and he's basically your second best wide receiver. Yeah. You know, yeah. did you see that little? I, did you see that little snippet on the round table? Where they won? Where he talked? Where Damian Harris talked about? He, uh, you got to see it. It's on the round table. Somebody posted. I'll check it out. It was late last night, but Damian Harris says he was at his announcement. He was going to Kentucky. He told his mom. Oh going yeah, to yeah, I did see that. He went to pick the hat up, and Alabama hat jumped <laughs> on his head. It jumped. Yeah, on his- we've got the potential for some real Bama on Bama in that Tennessee New England game. By the way, you mentioned it, Derrick Henry, the NFL rushing champ for 2019. How about Dante Hightower at linebacker? Oh yeah, on yeah. the other side. That'll be yeah. fun. New England's did it a lot with defense this year. Really salty defense, but again, if I'm a Patriots fan, I'm just livid. That, you know, the best they could do was bring in Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon to try to help my boy out. I just it just, you know, and there's a well, lot of receiver well, it, value in the third round when they took Damian Harris. Is Jared Stidham the guy after Tom Brady is out of there? I mean, is that that way it's going to shape up? I don't know. I always thought Stidham get a quarterback. Be, I always thought Stidham's going to be a better pro than a college player. Um, I do think if he'd have stayed at Baylor. And Art Browse would have been the coach that every record known to mankind would be owned by Stidham. Belichick's arrogant enough too, Tim. He'll let Brady walk and then go get like Eli Manning or something. You know what I'm saying? That would be the most Belichick thing ever. The guy that ruined two Super Bowls for him, you know, ends up coming into to New England to try to uh, to try to extend it a little bit. Hey, um, as we head into this new year. Tim, I wanted to ask you as we get out of here on the uh, T Watts and TR edition of the Built by Bama online podcast, you know, going into another year and there's still some life skills, important life skills, Tim, that I have yet to master. And I was wondering if maybe you had one or two that uh, you're still trying to uh, kind of perfect there at this lot at this point in your life. Yeah, I, I have not perfected the how to use just one remote control for all my devices. <laughs> and it, it, it pisses me off that my, my kids can walk down and grab it, shake, high five, and two, two, two bumps, and it's working. Um, I still have four remotes. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I have like, <laughs> I've got remotes for everything from the. Do you have like a holster that you wear <laughs> when you watch television? I have it laid out like, like it's like Gunslinger. It's, it's like utensils for my dinner plate. I've got like, okay, here's the fire stick, and I've got, I probably got, I need to label them fire stick, you know. Um, but that's a that's a oh. skill set I would love to have. But yeah, lighting a fire, all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I don't think I I would not survive long in the woods. I know that much. I still can't tie a damn tie, man. You know, fifty-one years into this thing, it's awful. And fortunately, I don't think either of us have to do it at very often at all. But man, when I'm put to the test on the old tie a tie knot, ah, I mean the pictures. You you said earlier the film don't lie. Well, it don't lie with my tie knots. It's uh, yeah, it's well, absolutely, it's it's awful. I mean, it looks like something, not even a Boy Scout would have done. Okay, a Cub Scout could do a better tie knot than I do. When, when all my kids started going, I guess when they hit high school, Moses is 19. You know, I'm supposed to do that bow tie knot, get that photo for the homecoming and prom. I had to fake it. Heather had to actually do it, and yeah. I had to fake it. And I was like, this, you know, this is skill. You know, I'm not going to have that magic moment, but I did rent the damn limo. All right, and I paid for the tuxedo. All right, so we're good. You tie your I mean, own boat. What's wrong with a good clip-on? How about just a good clip-on? What, what, what's, what's the problem with that? Of the clip-on yeah. is to clip it on. Yes, and they don't even do clip-ons now. They've got them even better. Like the one I had had a literal clip just clipped on. These wrap around their neck and then latch on, and you pull them tight, and it looks like the same thing. Yeah, jeez. They've cheated well, the system. We'll get out of here on that one. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think we've hit on a ton of uh, fun topics uh, and certainly the roundtables where we want to see each and every one of you right there on BamaOnline.com. you got basketball, by the way, this weekend, too. We'll have coverage of for you the Alabama men at Florida on Saturday evening to kick off SEC play for Nate Oates and his team. So, uh, recruiting coverage too, right? I mean, we're going to be coming out of a dead period here soon, aren't we, Tim? Yeah, they, you know, I think the 17th and the 19th is the next uh, uh, big weekend. I mean, Alabama staff right now sort of, uh, you know, they do the same thing every year. Nick Saban's got that pretty much scheduled. They come back from this bowl game. They're off to probably Sunday or Monday. They'll get back in the office and they'll start working anything. But really, they're in limbo if you think about it because they don't know how many scholarships they can have. They have. Right. You know, they've still got to figure out, I mean, again, what a dilemma to be in. Are we going to get all these great players back? How many do we get back? And do we have room to go get other great players? So um, it's a really good situation. Right now, there's not a lot of visits scheduled because there's some uncertainty there. And, wow. and again, I don't know how the numbers are going to work out. And they were really, you know, they're close to done. Um, if every one of these guys went pro, they probably could have signed – if they held on to what they've got committed, they probably could have signed two more, I think, with something like that, two to three more, if every one of these guys went pro. So, um, obviously, there wasn't a lot left to do. They've still got Jamil Burroughs, who's a commitment, uh, Javon Baker, Damian George, and, you know, they've got those guys committed but not signed. Uh, so, they would only have a couple of open spots. McKinley Jackson, like I said, I think they're going to find a way to pursue him no matter what. He's that – monster defensive priority yeah yeah i mean he's a he's a blow-up kid he is a big monster and i'm looking forward to his recruit lord knows what's going to happen with mckinley's recruitment he's in mississippi yeah lane kiffin's first That's all you year. need to know yeah. right and then you got lane kiffin's first year you got mississippi state with a new coach you got alabama georgia lsu involved already that's already the circle now everybody and their mom who needs a defensive lineman is going to go after this guy. So it wouldn't no surprise doubt. me if everywhere in the country they're after this kid. He's a big old boy. So as you can tell, absolutely every reason you need to be involved with us there at BamaOnline.com, especially on that message board 
our premium message board, the roundtable. Hey, Tim, a lot of fun as always. Appreciate the insight. Appreciate the uh, the entertainment too. I think we uh, we try to we try to give a mix of a, of a couple different things here on the pod. We're grump. We've turned this into grumpy old man with a little bit of chuckles. <laughs> grumpy old man. This is like Walter Matthau and uh, what was his name? Jack uh, Lemon. Jack Lemon. Yeah. Yeah. That's me and you, but we we touch on recruiting. We touch on the playoffs. Yeah. Okboomer.com. That's what we ought to just call it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, all right, man. Have a great weekend, Tim, and uh, make sure those gerbils are in shape and you know, got those servers running. You know, in that uh, in that on that wheel come Monday for Tua because we got that coming. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. See you guys on the roundtable. Absolutely. For Tim Watts, I'm Travis Ryer. Thanking you once again for joining us here on T Watts and T R on the Built by Bama Online podcast.